Hello, and welcome to Better Health Now. I'm your host, Rob Brown. Hey, I got some news for you folks. I got a new email address if you want to touch base with me. BetterHealthNowPodcast at gmail.com. So if you have a question about something that I've said in one of the podcasts, if you want to give me suggestions for topics that you might like to see me tackle in a future podcast, uh, or just need some more information about something, send me a message there. I'll, I'll make sure I get back to you. Uh, and we'll go from there, okay? Uh, if you like the information that I'm getting, make sure you share this with your friends um, because we want to try to pass out good information to folks as much as we possibly can. And hey, we all need some good information. A lot of information out there. We need some good stuff though. So let's get right down to it, okay? Today, I want to talk about something that's near and dear to um, all of our hearts. I'm absolutely certain of that. Uh, and that is sleep. To sleep, perchance to dream, as William Shakespeare wrote catching some Z's, taking a nap, um, the things that most of us long for. Now, admittedly, most of us will, will say that we never quite get enough sleep. We may seem like we're tired all the time. <laughs> for most of us, the thought of a nice nap or maybe an early bedtime followed by a long, uninterrupted sleep uh, is similar to winning the lottery. Uh, it happens to somebody else, but never happens to me. Um, when we do sleep, it seems like for most of us, we never get a long enough period of time of sleep or the sleep that we get wasn't quite restful enough. We may spend the night tossing and turning, or we may have to get up and use the bathroom, or we may decide that we have to get a drink of water. Uh, and when we do finally get to sleep, it seems like the alarm clock blares way too early and it's off to start another busy day. And we feel like we're halfway exhausted before our feet even hit the floor. This is all too common for all of us. Uh, and it is a problem in the United States of America. The government is addressing this by putting regulations in for occupations that need to be alert uh, to be able to do their jobs. And we're not going to talk about that today. What we're going to talk about is a, a little bit a little bit different. Uh, I am going to do my first ever podcast series because I think sleep is just too big of a topic to try to tackle all in one time. So this is going to be part one of the series. Today, I want to talk just some basics about sleep uh, so we can all try to get on the same page. Now, this topic is, is a whole lot more important than most of us realize. We all, uh, you know, say that sleep is important. We announce that to each other and we probably at the same time that we're complaining that we don't get enough sleep. Uh, and this is not just water cooler talk. This is not just something that we gather around and complain about. This is real. There are serious health issues and there are chronic diseases and sicknesses tied to a lack of sleep. There are people that are driving drowsy out there and get into accidents. Sleep and lack of sleep is an important thing. What about the basics? One of the reasons this is a tough thing to talk about is that we aren't sure how much sleep we need. Now, there's some, some numbers, and I'm going to throw them at you here in just a little bit. Uh, for the average amounts of sleep, some people have heard it said that we need eight hours of sleep. Uh, the problem with that is we're all different people. So it's not accurate to say that everybody has to get seven or eight hours of sleep per night. These are generalizations, and people that may need more sleep don't get as much of it because they think they're getting what they should. We can examine the folks who don't get enough sleep. And we have some, some ideas on who those are, and we can observe the health problems that they suffer from, the concentration problems, and the side effects from that. 
We also have another problem. We need to be aware that sleep needs change as we go through our lives. They are different when we're younger versus when we're adults. And then again, when we get older, over 65. Another challenge that we're going to have to address is that the long-term effects of bad sleep are really, really hard to track down because they don't show up very quickly. That's the whole point about long-term effects. There are some new ideas regarding some a couple of really nasty health problems that could possibly be following many, many years of poor sleep. And I don't want to get into exactly what that is. That'll be the tease to listen over the next podcasts. But there's some great new research out there about a couple of uh, real concerning disease processes. And maybe our sleep is a part of the solution or prevention for those problems. We're also going to spend some time, not today, but later on, talking about some of the chronic health conditions uh, related to poor sleep. How much sleep is it that we actually need? The CDC, which is the Centers for Disease Control, which is a branch of the United States government, the Health and Human Services Department, the CDC says that for adults, a minimum of seven hours of daily sleep seems to be necessary for proper cognitive, that's thinking, and behavioral, and that's emotional, functions. That's the CDC government organization, pretty solid source. Adults between the ages of 18 and 60 need seven or more hours per night. That information comes to us courtesy of a study primarily that was published in Sleep Journal 2015 uh, coming from the American Academy of Sleep Medicine and Sleep Research Society. So there are folks out there that have begun investigating sleep because of how, how big of a problem this is. If we look at kids, younger kids, ages six to 12, they need nine to 12 hours of sleep per day. And teenagers, 13 to 18 years old, need eight to 10 hours a day. That's a study that was published in the Journal of Clinical Sleep Medicine in 2016. These are current articles. The CDC is giving us their current opinion on this. It's being acknowledged and backed by and supported by the US government. This means not only do we need the quantity of sleep, but we also need a good quality of sleep. What is poor sleep? Well, signs of poor sleep quality include not feeling rested even after you've gotten enough, long enough sleep. There are people who feel like they get seven hours sleep and just don't feel refreshed the next morning. Poor sleep is also something that happens when people are repeatedly waking up during the night. Poor sleep also accompanies people who are experiencing symptoms of sleep disorders, things like snoring or gasping for air. Here's a spoiler. We are not going to be talking about insomnia, sleep apnea, restless leg syndrome, or narcolepsy. We're taking those out of this mix. These are medical conditions that require the coordination and the counsel of sleep professionals. These folks have tools that they use to evaluate you. They are going to do tests to make sure that they get the right diagnosis and they get the right treatments. These are not issues that I want to try to tackle in a podcast. What I want to talk about are the people who don't have one of those conditions, who don't have those mean, nasty, ugly things. Just the people that can't get enough good sleep. If you wake up tired or you didn't sleep for long stretches last night or your spouse says you snore, then this is the place that you need to be. Get this information. You've heard me say this before, so I'm going to say it again. I'm going to kill you with it. I know you got to pay attention, folks. We have to become aware. If you are having problems with sleep, one of the things they recommend that you do is get a sleep diary. Make a sleep diary. Jot down what's going on with your sleep. The professionals would prefer when they evaluate you for sleep problems that you have a diary that charts your sleep for the past 10 days. 
what are the things that might be disruptive to your sleep so that they can have, they can have some a better feel for what they need to do with you. Look at things like alcohol use, tobacco usage, your eating habits, your eating times, what you've been eating, uh, any other medic- medications and chemicals that you've been taking, what stresses are in your life right now, what changes you've seen. That's the uh, precursor to getting to see the, the medical people, when you're going to go see them, this is the questions they're going to ask you. And you need to have this information. So if you begin the sleep diary and you start to realize that you have problems with sleeping on the nights that you do some of these behaviors, let's, let's talk about changing those behaviors. That's the, that's the place to start because that's what they're going to talk to you about. If seven hours is the minimum that we need, then the term that we should use for less than six hours sleep is short sleep duration. That's the term that the CDC uses based on that uh, group from the, the research. They, they chart this. They, they have a record and a, a statistics about who has the most short sleep duration in the United States of America. The southeastern United States and the states along the Appalachian Mountains, along with Hawaii. Hawaii, yes, the island of Hawaii, are, are most likely to be places where you experience this short duration of sleep. Now, that's not an answer for why. That's simply the statistics. The lowest percentages, the people who seem like they're getting the best sleep, are the people that live in the Great Plains states. More men, slightly more men, complain about less sleep, short sleep duration than women. But that's not a real big, uh, significant difference between the two sexes. Unless you're willing to move and relocate where you live just so that you can have better sleep at night, uh, those are just statistics and they don't really help us very much. However, there are some things that do make a difference that we do have a great deal of control over. And I'm going to refer you to another article from the American Academy of Sleep Medicine. They looked at the percentage of different categories of people that noted and reported uh, short sleep duration. Obese people, people with a body mass index of above 30. 33% of those people report short sleep duration. One third of people that are obese. Obviously, if you are overweight, getting your BMI to a closer to normal number will decrease this risk for you. There's a lot of things to go along with this, but this is just a category of people. People who are current smokers, almost 23% of those people report short sleep duration. And if you want to talk about people that are excessively using alcohol, we're almost at 20% of those people that complain about getting short sleep duration. Excessive alcohol includes underage drinkers. It includes, includes binge drinkers or heavy drinkers. If you are obese or a smoker or a drinker, you have some control over the factors that are most likely contributing to some of your loss of sleep. Decreasing those bad behaviors improving your overall health is certainly going to help you to some degree. Is that going to make you a perfect sleeper? We're not saying that, but we know that these are factors that are well inside of our control. If we start doing those things a little bit more, we can expect to to notice a little bit better health. There are some other things that we can do to try to get better sleep for those of us who aren't necessarily in those categories. Uh, And a couple of those I'm going to throw at you here today to try to give you some, some ideas on what we can do. One of the top Ideas for people that want to get better sleep is to be consistent with your sleep. They suggest that you go to bed at the same time each night and get up at the same time each morning, including the weekends. Our bodies begin dealing with the cycles of daylight and darkness, and we get into a rhythm. They call that the circadian rhythm. That gets disrupted if you stay up late on a Friday night and sleep in on Saturday morning. You do the same thing on Saturday night, and two sevenths of your day or two sevenths of your week, I'm sorry, is 
disrupted compared to the other five. You are going to likely experience some difficulty getting good sleep maybe Monday and even Tuesday mornings because you've changed your your behavior up so much. So the more consistent you can get, the better quality of sleep they they feel that you're going to get. Here's a real practical one uh, for your bedroom. Make sure your bedroom is quiet, dark, relaxing, and a comfortable temperature. Now, you may need to take a look at your bedroom. You may need to unclutter and get rid of some of the mess. If you're a person who gets stressed out by a bit of a mess, you may need to clean your bedroom a little bit before you go to bed. Uh, There's some other ideas. Uh, Removing electronic devices, televisions, computers, and smartphones from the bedroom. That's a relatively new problem for most of us, but if you've got a phone in your bedroom that dings every time your social media gets hit, uh, some of us, this isn't me of course, but some people would hear that dinging at all hours of the night. They posted something on Twitter or Instagram or Snapchat or something and get a response back from a person and that ding disturbs their sleep and wakes them up. Getting rid of those will help not disturb your sleep. You're not going to get better sleep. You're just going to stop disturbing your sleep, which is in effect going to give you better sleep. They recognize that large meals before bedtime, along with caffeine and alcohol before bedtime, can disrupt your sleep. So stay away from those things. They've also acknowledged that if you are physically active during the day, you can fall asleep more easily at night. That's not saying that you're going to get good quality sleep, but at least it gets you started on the right foot by getting you to sleep a little bit easier. I get a lot of my information off the internet. There's some really great sources out there. MayoClinic.org. WebMD is another good resource. They list a few of the natural products, WebMD, the products that people use, sort of herbal supplements that are supposed to help people sleep. They specifically list valerian, chamomile, and melatonin. Now, these are all reported to help with sleep. The research proving that is lacking. They don't have the hard scientific data. We know that these things are safe. We know that these things have some positive effects. Melatonin's outstanding for helping with jet lag and restoring our normal circadian rhythms. Chamomile is something that helps promote sleep in animals, hasn't been tested fully in humans. And valerian is something that's been used for centuries and centuries to calm people down, something that would help us sleep. These have shown some good good effects and they're worth looking into, but there's not enough hardcore evidence yet for WebMD to stand behind them. WebMD moves from, from those things and onto something that they call cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT, which essentially is just psychotherapy. So you're going to see a psychologist and you're going to see a counselor and you sit down and talk with them about some things. Some of the things they're going to talk to you about would be your sleep hygiene. What are your daily habits? Going to bed at the same time, getting up at the same time, avoiding caffeine. What nighttime eating are you doing? So those are things that the, that the other uh, information points to. They're going to talk about at psychotherapy, stimulus control, the things that get your brain kind of wired up. Avoid watching exciting or thrilling television and then trying to go to sleep because your mind is still racing with some things. Turn off the electronic devices 30 minutes before you go to bedtime. Give your body a chance to wind down. There's also some thought and some research going on now that looks at the light that is produced by some of these screens. And they're thinking that this light stimulates a part of our brain that makes our brain stay turned on when at nighttime our brain should be surrounded by the darkness and turning off. These researches are kind of in the earlier stages because the the use of cell phones has not been around uh, to this extent for the last, certainly not 20 years ago. The people that do the therapy, the psychotherapy for you, will talk about your sleep restrictions. Don't just lay around. How much do you lay around 
trying to take a nap or resting because that kind of thing will interrupt your sleep patterns as well. There's cognitive therapy that they want to talk about. How do we think about sleep? Do we seem like we obsess over sleep? Do we worry about the fact that we're not getting enough sleep? There are certain relaxation techniques that we can do if you've had a busy and stressful day, and some people have that. It just can't be avoided. What, what we can do for those folks is some relaxation, and those can be guided uh, by a, a psychotherapist, a trained counselor who can help you with some things. They can also teach you some biofeedback things, understanding and being aware of what's going on with your body, your heart rate, and your blood pressure, and causing yourself to lower those rates so that you can become more restful prepares you for better night's sleep. Now, WebMD says that this type of therapy is promising, but with all psychotherapies, again, it's really hard to do the hardcore research on that. WebMD's opinion is that combining the behavioral therapy, the cognitive behavioral therapy, this psychotherapy with medications seems like it gives us the best chances to solve our sleep problems. The one thing that I'm not going to try to address here because it's outside of my scope is the use of medications for helping you sleep. That's something that if you need to see a medical professional, you should be willing to discuss your sleep with them. There are a lot of good options out there that they can use. They want to make sure that the medications they give you don't interact with any of your other medications, that there's no side effects, that they get the proper dosage for you, that you know how to work yourself into that so that you're still functional and not causing a risk to yourself the next day because you're still drowsy. Those are the things that I wanted to get you started thinking about when it comes to sleep. How much sleep do we need? What things can interfere with our sleep? And what things can we do about it? The next couple of podcasts, we're going to look at some of the obvious dangers of not sleeping well, who those people are, uh, what kind of problems can we face, uh, as well as that little tease that I had about what is this, this big new breakthrough that seems like it might be on the horizon for a sort of a long-term health problem that's really a, a big problem in the United States of America. That's what we're going to get to the next time. So if you like what you've heard so far, you're definitely going to check back in next week. Subscribe and you'll get the notification as soon as I publish this next, next Monday uh, to, to find out where we're going with this series in the future. Until then, hope you're doing everything you can to have better health now.